It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Got Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach, coming up as the guest on the Modern Women phone line. But first, Colin, what's up, man? Not much, not much. It's getting into my favorite time here at the... Uh... The weather's starting to indicate it. It's raining all the time, and Ole Miss opens baseball this week. Ole Miss will open the season, Ole Miss baseball, that is, against top-ranked Louisville starting on Friday night. There's not going to be a lot of surprises when Mike Bianco meets the media on Tuesday for his annual media day. I think what we can expect from a starting lineup um, projection standpoint is Kel Baker at first base, second base Justin Bench, shortstop Anthony Servideo, Third base, Tyler Keenan, catching Hayden Dunhurst. And left field, Peyton Chatagnier. Center field, at least for game one, Jerrion Ely. Right field, Tim Elko. Tim Elko, I think they wanted to start at first base, but because of his versatility, I think that's where he goes at least to start. Because you want to see Hayden Leatherwood um, continue to get his feet underneath him, hit a little bit better, uh, but you got to get those two true freshmen in there. So having a veteran in the outfield with him will certainly be something that will allow Mike Bianco to get Kale Baker in there because he's got a big bopping bat as long as he's hitting. And then on Friday night, Doug Nikhazy, Saturday, Gunnar Hoagland, and Mike Bianco announced on the Rebel Yo Hotline on Monday 
Derek Diamond will start on Sunday, despite his recent struggles in the preseason. Yeah, the lineup you tells me a lot of things. It tells me that Kel Baker's had a good preseason. Uh, he obviously struggled a lot this fall with uh, listening to Mike Clement speak, and it's a good sign to see that uh, that he's projected to be in the starting lineup. I think there's a lot of things that we can take away from that. Peyton Chatnier is his fall carried over. Um, and like you said with Derek Diamond, not a great preseason so far. Designated hitter for game one will likely be Ben Van Cleve. And then on Saturday against a righty, Kevin Graham at designated hitter. Not a particularly strong fielding first baseman or left fielder is Kevin Graham. So I expect him to draw most of his playing time at designated hitter. The question is, what should the realistic expectations be for Ole Miss baseball? I know you're pretty bullish on this team, but if you stretch that out a little bit, baseball, basketball, football, what are the realistic expectations for these sports as we enter the spring months? You know, I've said that I think this team hosts a regional as a 13 or 14 seed. Um, you know, I think that's realistic. Uh, I don't I don't think that's something that, uh, you know, would be unrealistic at all. So I think, look, if this team wins 15 to 16 SEC games. I think you would call that an, a, a, a pretty good season. Um, if they win less than that, I think you'd be underachieving by a little bit. So I think the 15 to 16 win mark with this schedule in the SEC is where this team should shoot. And I'll be honest, I know a 15 and 15 SEC team has never hosted. Um Ole Miss's schedule this year with Louisville and uh, East Carolina and Indiana and Mississippi State and uh, Southern Miss all in the non-conference. And with that conference schedule that features Vanderbilt and Florida, man, if there's ever been going to be a 15-15 and 15 team that could host, it could be this one. So I think 15-16 uh, to 16 SEC wins is, is kind of realistic for, this, for the baseball team for sure. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at solaoxfordms on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. Did I see a poll recently that had Ole Miss as high as number four in the country? I'm not sure about that. I, I, don't, I hadn't seen it. If you, you, I'm not saying you didn't, uh, but I haven't seen that. Regardless, a lot of prognosticators are pretty high on Ole Miss baseball. I tend to have some muted expectations for what this team can be. I don't know if they're going to hit all that much to start, but I'll tell you this, Hayden Dunhurst is going to be a superstar. He's been hitting home runs in the preseason. He's got the look of one of the best catchers to ever come through here. I don't want to put all of that on him before he's even swung the bat or try to throw out a base runner in a game. But at least early on, no player, in my opinion, on the roster has been more impressive. And I'm factoring in not just newcomers, but returning guys too. Yeah, Dunhurst is a kid that, look, uh, I think you put True Serum and Mike Bianco and Mike Clement, um, they didn't expect him to be here. I, I think they thought he'd be a second-round pick to the Dodgers or somewhere in there and, and be gone. And he's a guy that made it to campus. So they're going to start in game one. Uh, we did the the trade about there being a catching competition for a little while, but it was clear that uh, Hayden Dunhurst is the best catcher on the Ole Miss campus. So he's going to be a guy that can throw out runners at the 
uh, level that Cooper Johnson did, but I think there's going to be a lot more potential in that bat. And I think we've seen that throughout the preseason. I'm not convinced he's not that far off from Cooper Johnson uh, as far as his arm goes. We'll see. But Ole Miss baseball, it gets going on Friday. Ole Miss basketball, back-to-back SEC wins for the first time in nearly a year. Back-to-back top 100 wins, and that's even tougher if you want to start stretching it back schedule-wise. And then Ole Miss football, open spring football practices in about a month or two. So of all these sports, what are you most interested in this spring? It's football for me. Seeing how Lane handles the quarterback competition, how frankly he he handles skill guys and how what kind of offense he's going to run because that's the thing that doesn't get talked about enough with Lane Kiffin is like there's no set offense like there was with Hugh Freeze or maybe a Rich Rodriguez. Like he's going to do what he needs to do to win football games whether that's be multiple or that's line up and spread. He's going to do whatever he needs to do. So I'm interested to see how he fits his scheme to this personnel and I think we'll get a glimpse of that over the spring. I don't think anybody's going to have to worry all that much about John Rice Plumley. Spring football practices roll around. He's going to be over there doing what he needs to do. I don't think he's going to have all that big of a role as a freshman for Ole Miss baseball. Outside of some midweek starts, maybe, if that. Mm-hmm. Mostly he's going to be pinch running and all that. Jerry is going to be a dynamic baseball player. He's going to have a decision to make in two years. That kid's not coming off of baseball. He's really, really good. <laughs> and like I mentioned, going to start game one at least. And then Cade Sammons against Aridey, I think, will start game two. Both of those guys have been really strong. Um, for me, I'm interested, of course, to see how Ole Miss basketball finishes out. The schedule has gotten softer. They played so many games on the road. Obviously, losing most, if not all, of those games hurt Ole Miss basketball in a way that no one could have predicted or expected. But now that the schedule has relaxed a little bit, they could make a run. I'm not saying they're going to, but they could. They're not going to beat Kentucky at Kentucky. Probably not going to beat Auburn at Auburn, but they've been really competitive against Auburn going back two, three years now. They always compete with Auburn. Even under Andy Kennedy, they competed with Auburn. Those two wins were what allowed Ole Miss to have the NCAA resume that it did last year because its struggles didn't just happen overnight. They struggled toward the end of last year, maybe five and seven, seven and nine, something like that. They were under 500 to close out the year, went one and done in the SEC tournament, one and done in the NCAA tournament. So the struggles aren't new. Even still, they've always competed against Auburn. So maybe they go to Auburn and they get a win. But they're not winning at Kentucky and closing out the regular season at Mississippi State is tough. Mississippi State has been really good, and Reggie Perry is an SEC Player of the Year candidate. But Ole Miss could certainly, if you look at the numbers, in theory, go 6-2 and two over their final eight and be 9-9 nine and nine in the conference and be going to Nashville for the SEC tournament with a chance to play their way in. I don't think that's going to happen. I think ultimately they're going to play strong enough to build a nice NIT resume, that'll still be disappointing, but considering where they were, that'll be a success unto itself. And you want to see Brian Tyree get some type of postseason appearance in his final season, especially when you consider how well he's played. So that's going to be interesting enough to watch. Baseball-wise, look, holler at me in May, early June, and see where they are. Because we know they're going to be a strong enough regular season team, but at this point... Keith Carter's pretty much said, make it to Omaha or else. How can you interpret it any other way, him not rolling over that contract? I don't know what the benchmark is. We've talked about that on this podcast before. I don't know what the benchmark is for Mike Bianco this year to ensure that he keeps his job. This young team, if they host a regional but they fall short again, they made it to a super regional last year, one game away from the College World Series, if they go that far, if they match that, which is going to be hard enough considering how good that team was last year. But if they match that, is that enough? Is that enough to appease your fan base? Is that enough to appease your athletics director? That's the biggest storyline. And then football, of course, Lane Kiffin and installing an offense and defense. I'll be out at the spring practice fields for the first time in two years. I'm interested in that above everything else. Of course I am. How can you not be? And that's what's got the most attention of the entire Ole Miss fan base. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, as it should. Um, outside of, you know, some some closures and recruiting, football's king. So I'm interested in that for sure. We'll see uh, We'll see uh, here, here in just a little bit how spring practice goes. I think you said earlier about Jerrion Ely um, as far as baseball goes. You know, everybody talks about him, you know, it, if, is he going to give up baseball to focus on football? I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think if there's a decision to make, it's the inverse, right? Yes. Here's the question for this year's freshman year. What's a good year for Jerry Ely as a freshman baseball player? 
Um, What's the well, equivalent of him being an all SEC freshman special teamer in football? Also, almost rushing for 800 yards, I think it was on the ground. What's the equivalent of that for baseball? Well, he starts every day in center field uh, during SEC play. Um, it has about an 800 OPS overall, um, because I think if he can do that, he's dynamic enough on the base pass and he's going to play a really good center field that, uh, if he does that and puts up the 800 OPS, pretty good start for his career. Doug Nikhazy had a ERA just North of three last year. Does he have to have a sub three ERA to compete night in and night out on Friday nights during the season against the best the country has to offer as far as pitchers are concerned? Yeah, and I'd even go one further. I think he's got. I think he's got to be in that two five range, uh, two four two five range, simply because man, like you look at these arms, uh, Ole Miss is going to face. It's Kumar Rocker, it's Tommy Mace, it's Asa Lacy, it's Tanner Burns, it's JT Ginn. Like those are all dudes on Friday night. Emerson Hancock, I shouldn't have left him out. I could keep going. Cole Henry at Van at uh, LSU. They got dudes on Friday night in this league, and this they're they're stacked this year from an arms perspective. So if Doug's not good, um, I'm not even going to say not good. If Doug's not excellent on Friday nights, Ole Miss is going to start in a, in a hole. Good news is uh, you've seen Doug do it before, so uh, you got that going for you. And I'll be honest, um, the guy on Saturday, I expect to have a pretty good year too. So if he's having a good year, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally shocked if those roles got reversed at some point. Is Doug that type of arm though? If you want my honest opinion, uh, no, I, I, I don't think he's the elite level arm of Asa Lacey or Tanner Burns, but I do think he's a guy that you can throw out there on Friday night and he's got that bulldog mentality that, uh, you know, he's going to keep you in the baseball game. Um, I don't think I'll ever, you'll ever see Doug as a first round pick, but man, the, the mentality he has, yeah, it fits on Friday night for sure. Who's got that elite arm talent or potential at least? Is it Gunner? Yeah, it's Gunner. I mean, I, I well Gunner, for the Ole Miss fan who saw him last year, wasn't overly impressed. What makes him so good then? Why does he okay. have that compared to Doug? If you're a layman, sure. Uh, Gunner's problems last year were if you're going to have problems as a freshman, they're the problems you want to have. He he was too he caught too much plate with his fastball. Um, his breaking ball wasn't sharp enough. I have heard and been told that both of those problems have been uh, somewhat rectified. I think his fastball is a lot higher from a spin rate perspective. I think his curveball or well, I guess slaughter is a lot higher from a spin rate perspective. He has always had an elite uh, changeup that he can throw wherever he wants. Look, you've got to have a little faith that he's going to be able to pitch with uh, guys on base and fit, go through a lineup a second time around with that improved slaughter. But there was a reason he was drafted in the first round. I think the velocity is going to tick up a little bit more. I think he's going to be really reminiscent of Bobby wall um, as a sophomore. I think that's a real possibility. Going into last year, the football year, I asked this to whoever the co-host was. I had guest rotating guest co-hosts, and I think one of the questions was, who has to have a good year for Ole Miss football to be good? And one yeah. of the guys we brought up was Momo Sonogo. Of course, Momo got hurt out for the year, and Ole Miss's defense, while it was improved, still wasn't what it needed to be. He was the one guy Ole Miss just couldn't afford to lose, and it did. They only won four games. So who's the Momo Sonogo for baseball? Is it Tim Elko? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can afford to lose Tim Elko um, and, you know, this scenario where, you know, Momo gets hurt. Um, I think he's more replaceable than Momo Sonogo would be for a football team. But I think if Ole Miss is going to be able to reach its potential, Tim Elko has to hit. Um, it, it's Tom. He, he was an elite level prospect for a reason. Um, I still have faith in the kid. I think he's had a really good preseason. I think he's going to translate this year to the field. I've been wrong on him before. I'll admit that. But it's Tim Elko. If if they're going to be everything they need to be, it's Tim Elko, and then number two is Gunnar Hovland. If you could choose any current Ole Miss baseball player, only one, to start the next great Ole Miss baseball team, who would it be? Mine would be Ooh. Hayden Dunhurst. You stole mine. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll take Jerry Neely. Uh, that'll be my second one. Um, just, I, I think the, the tools that, you know, we thought were going to make him a first round pick that for whatever reason, he slid back a little bit. I think they're starting to show themselves again. Um, and I think he's going to leave Ole Miss with one heck of a decision to make. Does he want to go play football or does he want to be a first round in it or a MLB center fielder? This spring in Ole Miss sports, God, it needs to be strong. It needs basketball yeah. to finish strong. Spring football to have a huge crowd come out for the Grove Bowl and for Lane Kiffin to put on a show somehow. And then for baseball, a successful year in whatever respect. I, get, I don't know what the benchmark is. I don't know what Keith Carter wants. I don't know what Ole Miss fans want. But for baseball to be so competitive and so likable that Ole Miss fans get on board. Because if you think back to 2019, after the NCAA tournament appearance, what was fun? 
Yeah, because you talk about baseball and yeah, how it ended, you win the regional and everything, that was okay. Um, but there was a three week span in there, Ben, where Ole Miss was going to fire Mike Bianco. Like I, I think uh we don't talk about that because it, it, it didn't happen, obviously, but when they left Tennessee that weekend and went to Hoover, I don't think there was many people that expected Mike Bianco to be back. So I don't know if last year's baseball season until they played uh, in Oxford in June was that enjoyable. I think Ole Miss fans were pretty frustrated. As fun as it should have been to make a run in the SEC baseball tournament, the way they finished, the way they ended right. that run in the championship game, the way they gave up that lead to Vanderbilt, the best team in the country, and blew it, left a bad taste. After you've built this goodwill – from a tough regular season, maybe an underwhelming, or at least you had an overall roster that didn't perform to the level that Ole Miss fans expected it to. So then you go to the SEC baseball tournament, you make this run, but then you end it with a thud. You go and host the regional, you win it, Ole Miss fans are excited. But then you go to Arkansas, you win one game, and then it ends how? In a thud, a disaster. So all that buildup, all that goodwill, zapped with the worst kind of losses. And I think a response from Keith Carter was a rather emotional one. And he kind of followed the uh, lead of his fans and made the move with Mike Bianco not to roll over the contract. So if you're Mike and you're looking at this baseball season, not knowing what the benchmark is, just be likable. Don't lose like you lost to Vanderbilt. If you make a run, be competitive. I don't think Ole Miss fans are going to blitz Mike Bianco if this team is consistently competitive. Now there are going to be games where you get your ass kicked. That's in every sport. That's going to happen. But these long stretches where a narrative is built that, oh my God, one of the most talented teams in Ole Miss baseball history is underperforming. Well, this team, there's a really low bar. Now, the talent on campus is really strong, but it's young. The low bar there means that you have a chance if you're competitive against Louisville this weekend, and then you win your midweeks, and you're competitive with this tough schedule, and you continue to battle and battle and battle, I think Ole Miss fans will get on your side. But last year, even in those moments where you're supposed to really be having fun as an Ole Miss fan, as a baseball fan, it was hard. And then football was a disaster, an absolute disaster. In basketball, you went to the NCAA tournament for the eighth all-time appearance in Ole Miss basketball history. And yet, when you get there, what happens? You don't just lose by 23 points. It was worse than that. Officially, they lost by 23. Unofficially, might as well lost by 50. That's how lopsided it was. So I think this spring is so important for all of these sports to finish in a way that at least allows Ole Miss fans to take a breath, to take a step back, and have hope for the future in every single sport. Because 2019, on the surface, looked fine. But honestly, if you scale back and look at it from 2,500 feet, it wasn't that fun. It was really frustrating, I think, if you were an Ole Miss fan and were in it every single day. And and we see this with these people every single day. We're there on the message boards, on Twitter, whatever. We're in it with them, and you could sense it. Yeah, and it's funny because they made the NCAA tournament and were one game from the College World Series, and I think you're right. I mean, it was frustrating at times. I think that starts tonight, though, right? Like, if you know, that would be a good way to start it, to, to knock off Mississippi State in the pavilion. I don't think that would hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, no. Mississippi State has owned this rivalry. Football, baseball, basketball. Now, Ole Miss won in basketball at Starkville last year, and that never happens. But really, if you start to look at the numbers, they're quite ugly. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you don't compare yourself constantly to Mississippi State, but they sure as shit do. And at the very least, you want to be getting your fair share. And it certainly feels like, and the results would bear this out, that Mississippi State is more than getting its fair share. It's kicking your butt. Well, they lost the last basketball game to them. They lost four games in baseball, and they lost the game in football now. Ole Miss fans would argue that they're thankful they lost that football game. Um, and, you know, I am too. Of course. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody wants to trade that for the Egg Bowl, I assure you. But, um, you know, yeah. I mean, look, it starts tonight. I, I don't think Kermit Davis, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think they'll be ready to go when when Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard and uh, the guys roll into the pavilion. I figure this will be a pretty locked-in Ole Miss team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Ole Miss has had the look of an NCAA tournament team his last two wins, but it's easy to say that. They've had the look before. They blew double-digit leads to Auburn, to Arkansas, to LSU. If you just win those, and we can get in the weeds with some other games, but I'm not going to for the sake of this discussion, just think about winning those. Well, they're at six wins in the conference. Their overall record is 15 wins. They're basically Florida with better wins. 
They're in the NCAA tournament. Florida, even after a loss to Ole Miss, is still probably an 11 or 12. Ole Miss is at worst an 11 right now if they only win those games. So they've had the look of an NCAA tournament team. So easy to dismiss them and say, oh, look at the record, how bad it's been. The basketball season is a wash. They're not going to win at Kentucky. They never win at Kentucky. Let's just go by history and say they're not going to win at Kentucky. Every other game, you don't think they're going to be competitive? They've been competitive. They're starting to look the part. And I'm going to give a lot of credit right now to Dude Column because I've talked about on this podcast before about how if they add anybody in the spring, they're going to have to remove some guys from the roster. And one of the obvious candidates was who? Antavian Column. He wasn't playing. Five straight games of five minutes or less. Four of those games, only one minute of playing time. And then all of a sudden, he played 21 minutes against South Carolina and had a plus-minus of, I think, second best on the team. And then against Florida, 15 minutes. And he's not trying to do anything offensively. He's just trying to set good screens, be tough, rebound. He's made his way into the eight-man rotation. They've shaved that rotation to only eight. And Dude is now one of them. Of course, it helps that Sammy Hunter got hurt. He's got a knee injury. It's going to be lingering for about two weeks. We're about to jump to Ronnie Hamilton. We'll talk all about it. But Dude, give him credit has made himself valuable to where when you're looking at potential subtractions so they can add, he's not in the conversation. The conversation starts with Carlos Curry and then Franco Miller. And I know Ole Miss got, quote, a commitment the other day from Marcus Nyblock. First reported on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, last week that he was a potential target for Ole Miss. Yes, he's, quote, committed, but there's a caveat. He has to get qualified. (laughs) He's got academic work to do. He takes his SAT again on Saturday, has to get a good score there. He has to get the grades. But Ole Miss likes him. They believe he can actually help their roster. And I know if you look at his uh, offer sheet, it's not all that impressive. But the academic side of it has played into that a little bit. Ranking and his evaluation, at least from 247, ESPN rivals, a lot of scouts stopped looking at him because the academics were so bad. But Ole Miss thinks he can be really good, explosive. I was told can really get by a defender, great vision. Spring is for guys like that, guys that will emerge, that were maybe undervalued in recruiting or were academic risks, and then they um, emerge in the spring. I think he's averaging close to 30 points a game. Ole Miss likes him, but he has to get the grades. But dude, Colin, give him a lot of credit. He's been really good. It feels like dude is the guy that Kermit kind of wants to mold people after. Like He's really tough. He's going to go set screens. He's going to play defense. And he's going to give you what he can on offense. And I feel like if Kermit can get enough of those guys, that would be kind of what he wants his program to be indicative of. Duke Collin was not a low-ranked kid. If you look at his offers, they're pretty sick. But he's a bad practice player. He admitted it. He said he was a terrible practice player, among the worst in Kermit Davis's <laughs> point system. And Kermit acknowledged it, too. Um, but then they sat down. They had a meeting. Dude wanted to know, what do I got to do to get on the floor? You got to practice better. He thought practices were for learning. No, it's for bringing that energy, that same energy as you do in games. And now dude's doing it, and he's playing. So credit to him. Um, He's bringing something for Ole Miss basketball that they didn't have. Ronnie Hamilton knows all about it. Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach. He's worked with dude as well as the red shirts and everyone else. What about Hadim C? He's been a new player, both on and off the floor. Ronnie knows all about that. We're going to Ronnie Hamilton now. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. 
and the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Ole Miss basketball assistant Ronnie Hamilton. Ole Miss has won back-to-back games for the first time since December. Back-to-back SEC games. Starting to look a little bit better. Ronnie, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing, Ben? Good to to be on. I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Ole Miss has won back-to-back games. What's been the difference? You know, I think we just have uh, been a lot better uh, as a whole um, defending. Uh, that's been kind of our, our big emphasis, um, being able to you know defend for, for the duration of games, longer periods of games. We've had stretches where we defend for 20 minutes or, uh, for a great half and or for uh, you know, media timeout to media timeout. And in the last couple of games, we've made a concerted effort to really you know, carry that through uh, for an entire game. You're going to have some breakdowns and guys going to make shots, you know, with the other team, but just that concentration level and, and, and really uh, being able to carry out scouting um, reports and game plans uh, for a long, long, long period of time. You know, 40 minutes is the goal of every game, but we really have, 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 have made a focus on that. I think that's been a big reason why we uh, successful last couple games. We played better even before then. And uh, it's resulted in, 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 in two wins back to back, like you just mentioned. Even when things were going tough, Kermit would talk about how good of a practice team this team was. And you're right, a handful of games, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, all come to mind. Y'all had double digit leads in those games. And if you hold on to those leads, this is a totally different discussion. But now you're starting to get the results. Do you think it's that consistent positive atmosphere that's led to y'all getting the recent results that you have? Yeah, I think so. You know, guys have done a good job. Um, you know, just really kind of continue to to uh, uh, stay positive. You know, you have adversity, you have losses. You know, it's easy to point fingers and, and, and it's easy to, you know, kind of disband a little bit, you know, but, but you know, we hope, you know, through some tough times and through some adversity come together. I think that's what's happened. That's the other thing I think that's been really encouraging and need to see with this team is, you know, every 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 season, every team has, has its own kind of, you know, lifeline and story, and, and this one's kind of come together. You know, at a different, at a different, at a different rate, different time. It seems like now, you know, what you'd like to have is you're playing your best basketball later in the season. Uh, we wish it'd been a little sooner, but I think we always start to play our best basketball. I think uh, you know, Brian is really, as a senior, starting to really grasp just um, you know how to how to impact not just scoring but but winning games. I thought. Uh, against Florida, he probably had his best defensive game, and he won the challenge regarding them hard. I thought that was key. But uh, just look, you know, through, throughout the whole roster, uh, some guys more so in price because they don't get to do it in the games. But everybody's really kind of bought into roles and and and, and what they can do to help help this team be successful. Hadim is one of those guys, and you are so heavily involved in his recruitment. Um, he got suspended for Florida, the first Florida game, um, because of bad body yeah. language, attitude, and since he's come back. Yeah. It looks like not only on the floor has he done right and performed well, but off the floor he's been more of what y'all wanted from him. And this was a prize signee. This was a guy that you pursued so doggedly for a year. Um, have you started to see more of the player you thought you were getting with Hadim over the last two weeks? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we we've been trying to to to, to get him to to, to uh, be that guy. You know, obviously all year long. And, uh, he's had different moments again, you know, as our team has had where he's been good and some moments where he hadn't been uh, as good as we, we needed him to be. But I think, you know, you know, last game against Florida, their place obviously didn't travel. Uh, I think that was a wake up call for him. And it, it's just then he's really, you know, I told him, you got to get on the same page as coach, you know, and, and he, he has a, he has such a great uh, a, a voice, 
and, and positive impact that he can have because guys really respect him. You know, his teammates really, because uh, he's such a fun guy to be around, you know, uh, on the court, you know, when he's really locked in. And so he's been, he's been, you know, a lot better. And I think with new guys, all of them, whether it be him and, you know, you look at Sammy and, and Bryce and Austin, all those guys, it takes a little while, you know, to really, really understand, uh, you know, what it takes to, 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 to be good consistently at this level. And so uh, for him, the adjustment was a little longer. Uh, but, you know, definitely the last few games, he's been a lot, a lot better. Uh, you know, he, one thing that probably doesn't get a lot of attention, and he does a great job. He's really good defensively in terms of just um, off the ball and having an awareness and it gives you rim protection. And so, to see him do those things when he's starting to kind of catch it and finish around the rim and starting to make some face-up jumpers. So a lot of things that he's been able to do um, is what we hope to anticipate him doing throughout this year. And, and I think he's really still just, just scratching the surface, you know, in terms of how good he can be. He still hasn't played his best for basketball. And so we're still pushing and pride and, and, and getting to do that. But the better he plays or the better our team plays because he gives us a little something that we, 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 you know, we, we don't have. Um, you know, uh, with, with the with the with the rest of our roster, you touched on it when you look at Hadim and y'all chart everything. I know he gets pretty good rebounding numbers, but if he got every rebound that he got his hands on, he'd probably be averaging double digit rebounds. I'm guessing here, but I'm assuming that's an area y'all have targeted for him to where, hey man, yeah, you're doing well right now, but if you did this, you'd be one of the better bigs in the SEC. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Except he's got another. I still think he got another gear. Him that he hadn't quite quite reached, you know. But uh, you know, like I said, I just you know give him credit for uh, gradually getting better, gradually understanding what coach expects out of him, gradually understanding offensively where he can, you know, where he can score, and and, and then also he's been really really better at, at not getting in foul trouble. We had a few of them, uh, you know, last game guarding uh, Blackshear, but that's another thing. Just him on his presence on the floor helps us just with his size and and and. and you know, his ability, you know, both to offensively and defensively and rebounding, helping us his possessions on that end. So uh, he, he's starting to really, 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 I think, figure it out. And uh, like I said, hopefully these last last half of SEC play, he really kind of can even make another jump. You know, I think if he does, our, our team continue to make another jump as well. How's Sammy's knee? Getting better, you know, getting better. It's kind of one of the weird deals we've had, kind of some of those throughout the season, whether it be him. Bryce kind of went down with going for about four games. Obviously, Brian missed a game with his back. Uh, just kind of went up, contesting, trying to rebound. and uh, I think that Patella moved a little bit, so they're being cautious with it. But he, he tried. I mean, I give him, he, he tried to go on it as and, 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 and best he could the last couple of days in practice. It's not 100%. So, I know Andrew does a tremendous job getting those guys in the training room back as quickly as possible. And so he's been getting a lot of treatment and, and, and hopefully he can get him back soon. He'll, he adds, and he was getting another guy just, I think starting to kind of really doubt as far as new guy, young guy, you know, do the game and all those different things. So we, we need all hands on deck. So hopefully we can get him back back soon and, 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 and give us more depth and, uh, and, and he can continue to get better. Like he had been the last couple of weeks prior to that. Dude's starting to give you something. Yeah, you know he he he, he had a great. Probably one of the strongest guys on the team, just from a pure just natural standpoint. So you know at his size, he can play a little bigger because he, he's hard to move down there. You know, I get in there from time to time with those guys. He's jail. He he's got great base, and so he has. I mean, just to kind of go back and those repetitive, but another guy just as a young guy started. You know, he you know he, he can quite understand sometimes good shot, bad shot. You know, sometimes. You know, defensively, where to be all the time. And, and I think, again, just those guys finally over the course of the season and enough times where they get in the games and, and whether individually didn't have success or a team didn't quite play with one, two, those guys are just, just starting to finally play. Okay, here, here's the thing that, that's going to, number one, allow you to stay on the floor as, as an individual player. Number two, it's going to really help our team. And so he's another guy. You know, we've had conversations with him and shooting on film and keep trying to get these guys to, to see it. And, and I think, it, you know, it has kind of clicked for him. And so now that he's got an opportunity, you always got to be ready. You know, you tell these guys, you never know when your opportunity's going to come. So he had an opportunity in the last couple of games. He's taken advantage of it. And if, again, if he can continue to do what he did, uh, and they're not just, you know, it's not scoring with him, you know, necessarily, you know, again, just another guy defensively and rebounding and moving the ball is a really good passer. So those guys, you know, there's, there's roles and things you can do to help our team sometimes that, 
you kind of take for granted. We don't quite realize as a young guy that he's, he he has now, and we need him to play well down the stretch too. Because we obviously, you know, every league game is tough, and and, and there's great size in the league. But he he's been really really good for us, and need him to continue to be. He mentioned that he was a bad practice player, and I asked him this question. I'll pose it to you: What makes a good practice player under Kermit Davis? I think you know you got to have a high level of, of, of two things really: high level of concentration. And, and, and a high level of, of, of energy. You know, sometimes it sounds like, you know, it should be given, and, and, and in a lot of cases it should be, but especially young guys, even older guys, you know, their, their concentration can wane as well uh, up and down. But, but but as much scouting as we do, as much uh, things that we do offensively, um, you know, if you're not coming in focused uh, in practice, you know, that by nature can, can make you not – a very good practice player because you tend to always be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, if you combine that with not a lot of great energy, then you really can struggle. And the one thing about coach and, and, you know, been with him for a long time is he values practice. You know, it's some cases and some scenarios where you can practice bad and you may still get the chance to play or play in games. And, and, but he values that. And I think it's, it's always uh, allowed us to, 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 to be good. And especially late in the year, because, you know, whether it's a case like dude hadn't played a few games, you can have a good week of practice and you're going to get opportunity. Uh, you know, and so guys throughout the season and, and then throughout time with Coach realized, man, you know, I can I can change my role if it's not the, where I want to be at any point in time. And number two, you know, by the nature of holding these guys accountable, man, you, you know, we, we, we always tended to get better as the season went on. So that's huge for us. Uh, obviously, the point since that you mentioned, you know, we, we keep track of everything. There's always a measuring stick. You can see exactly, you know, kind of where you stacked up in each practice. Uh, so it's not just an arbitrary of me telling you, hey, you were good today or bad today. Or you can, you can, you can, you can literally see, you know, see how you how you produced um, through, through the point system that we have. So as guys understand that and they and they really figure that out and, and, and buy into it, um, and they can see their games, you know, get better and better and better. You were the one that worked primarily with Franco when he was redshirting. These other redshirt guys, Jarkel, Sean, and now Luis, after he got hurt sitting out. Um, are you spending individual time with them? And if you are, what are you seeing from them? Yeah, it's been great. You know, that's one thing that I, uh, you know, love to kind of do when those guys are going through that 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 year uh, of redshirting and, 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 and transitioning. You know, sometimes off injury, uh, sometimes just you know do having to sit being a you know division one transfer like Jarkel's case. Uh but yeah we've had a chance to spend a lot of time um you know with Jarkel and Sean both and you can see uh both guys really improving, taking advantage of it. You know, it, it, there's there's a part of you gotta have some responsibility to really take advantage of that yourself. And certain guys have done it more than others and I would say Jarkel has been one of the best I've seen and Sean has has kind of followed his lead because he's pushed him to kind of do it to where you can see him really, really, really uh, seeing the value of, 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 of having that year to really work on skill development, uh, uh, strength. Uh, but those guys have, have had two, uh, two, two really good, good, good individual years themselves um, uh, in terms of just getting better, you know, and, and it's been fun to watch them. Uh, you know, it's almost over now. I tell those guys it goes by quick. So, but with Jarkel, especially, you know, really understanding kind of ball screens and, and, and making plays all the field was always been the natural score. You know, he scored a lot of points at Bakersfield, scored a lot of points in high school, but now kind of the, the final details of really running a team and, and those things has been the focus with him and Sean, just his ball skills in terms of ever handle it with, with strength and make strong moves around the rim and face up and you know, clean up a little bit of a shot. So you can see gradual improvements and, I would expect those guys to really, really carry it over through through, through the offseason and, and, and have a chance to really impact our team next year. As far as Sean goes, this was a highly ranked kid, a player y'all evaluated highly. How tough is it, though, to make the decision and stick to it, especially when things are going poorly? He's redshirted. We're not taking it off of him. Disservice to the kid. Don't care what the record is. And if he could help us or not, we're going to let him continue to sit and continue to develop. Is that hard? Yeah, you know it is. You know it's hard because you know I was, you you're not playing as well as you want. You you know you you're hoping that you can maybe or you would like to have some guys that can come in and and, and uh, add to your team currently, and especially you know like a Luis goes out or 
you know, you face with some injuries or in case with green, you know, you have to sit in a game. And so, you know, your numbers, you know, uh, from a depth standpoint, get depleted in certain situations. But, you know, we knew uh, for, for him personally, it was the best thing for him. Um, just needed, just, just need, just needed a year uh, of, of really kind of being in a, in a true, true, true uh, program to where he, uh, you know, had to just again go back and, and, and do little things. You know, I think sometimes guys, great high school players, guys that's ranked real high, can rely just on talent or athleticism, and they get to this level. And you can see it whether it's you know certain guys in the league, McDonald's All Americans who struggle as freshmen. It's playing. It's not red shirt. Uh, they just you know need some time, and so you know we just knew that just in the long haul, uh, it's going to pay off for him, and you can see it. You know, so whether it be this year, he's starting to really gain more confidence and 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 and, and get better uh, fundamentally. And then I think you know as you look down the line, you know year two, three, and four, you know it really show up. So it's been fun to see him you know get better and better and better. I know that it's going to help uh, help him and, and help our team you know in the future. You signed Matthew Morrell in the fall. You come into the spring. You don't know what the roster is going to look like, what the season's going to play out, and then it does. Now, if you add anybody, you got to make room. But when you look at the spring now, considering where you were in the fall to where you are now, what's the focus? I know you can't talk about prospects in particular, but as far as what you are looking for, what's the spring focus? Yeah, you know, just continue to try to always uh, upgrade the, the roster and the talent level. I think that. Uh, you know, throughout the season, obviously, you know, we lose Brian Tyree, who's a tremendous scorer. We'll go down as one of the best, you know, scorers uh, in Ole Miss history. He's climbing those those rankings right now as we speak. And, you know, added depth there in terms of being scored to basketball. So you're just always kind of trying to look and see how you can improve your team. Uh, you know, size is always a premium. So you're always kind of looking to see, you know, see if you can improve in those areas. So we just kind of go through the spring and you get a better feel, like you said. You know, sometimes you can sign guys in November before you ever coach your current team, so you can you can perceive what your strengths and weaknesses are. You don't really know them until you get in the middle of 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 your actual season, which we are in now. So, as we're going through that, we we can see that there's some areas that we, you know we like to improve upon if we can. You know, based on our roster and those things. So, uh, the spring the spring signing period. Uh, can can allow and allow for that just because of there's so many options there in the spring, whether it be grad transfers and um, obviously there's guys that are still available that 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 you know those guys sometimes are the best ones because they've improved over the course of a senior year and so you can see them really kind of you know at their best uh, as far as high school guys and then you know obviously like last year perfect example with Austin you, know, you have guys that. May, you know, maybe committed and coaching changes. And so there's so many different ways and avenues in the spring to maybe add to your team. So we'll always explore those and see if, 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 if it's a fit uh, for our culture and our needs and works out roster-wise, you know, we'll definitely pursue that. What are the challenges in the spring compared to the fall recruiting-wise? You know, I think there's 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 um, there's a lot of different options that, like I just mentioned, but at the same time, uh, there's there's fewer of guys available, uh, you know, so so that market uh, becomes saturated, uh, for lack of better words. You know, obviously grad transfers you always kind of get uh, over recruited um, in a sense, just because of you know they're immediately eligible, and so there's a there's a uh, you know a, a huge market for for guys at the place wherever where they end up coming from that played and had some. Usually, Division One experience or some Division Two guys that fall into that category, but that experience and the fact that you can play right away, everybody kind of goes and uh, and looks for that 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 market, and, and then you know the few guys that are available high school wise that, that you come to find out about or know about, you know everybody is, is in a lot of cases chasing same guys, uh, and, and and then even with you know the guys that may end up you know getting out of uh, commitments, whether it be a coaching change or some other reasons, you know, those guys become available and, and, and everybody really knows who's out there in the spring for the most part, you know, so it, it just makes the, the the market a little bit more competitive, but that's that's recruiting at this level. And so, um, you know, we, we'll pursue uh, the ones that make sense for us and, and, and ones that fit us and ones that think really can, can add value to our, to our team. 
Have y'all changed y'all's perspective at all on the type of caliber or just what you're looking for scouting-wise in a player to sign in the spring um, now that you've gotten a full year to scout and to see what you need um, to consistently win at this level? Yeah, you know, you always, um, I think you always, you know, evaluating and, and, and figuring out, it's getting the lead. And you can, you know, you get a chance to go against other teams and, 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 and you kind of kind of can just evaluate the league in itself too, you know, that helps. But I, I think just, you know, we, we've have a, we've had a formula, um, you know, for a while in terms of what Coach Dave really values and, and those, those hadn't changed. Um, the, 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 the kind of the crux of the, that hadn't changed. You just, you're really trying to go out and find guys that, you know, I tell you guys that, that physically that can, that can come in guys that come from really good programs, so that, you know, that they're well coached and they usually give themselves a chance to, to play early and, and, and be more prepared just by nature of, of, of the programs they've come from. And so as you go through it, you look back and, 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 and you, you know, you can kind of um, evaluate your own recruiting. You know, you're always trying to, to get better in that sense. And so, uh, you know, those things are things that we, you know, we constantly talk about the staff, but, uh, you know, you love guys that, you know, got toughness to them, guys that can, you know, skilled and can shoot the basketball and, uh, but you mean you get all those combinations you got you got you got you got, you got something that's is pretty pretty good but that's the goal you know that's the that's the aim and and then obviously you know the intangible parts and those things off the court you know have to align too with kind of what what, what our philosophy is all about but uh, just like I said just always really really just evaluating and, and searching and looking and just trying to find guys who can really you know fit uh, you know culture wise. Um, you know, how we play, you know, from a style of play standpoint and, and it obviously, you know, needs that we think we, we, we may need going forward, you know, for next year. So uh, excited to kind of see, uh, you know, how, what happens in the spring and, 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 and then we got to obviously continue to get our guys and, and our program better too. You know, that player development part is, is huge and uh, I think the guys are getting better, which is exciting to see and see how, see how much more proof we can make this last, you know, month of the season. He's Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Thanks, Ben. That was Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach Ronnie Hamilton. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. You know the whole spiel. Just subscribe. Just rate. Just review. Also, subscribe to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. That's the website that I write for. For my money, the best coverage of Ole Miss athletics anywhere. Talk of Champions is powered by Modern Woodman in BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. That was Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. You don't have much responsibility as a listener of this podcast. Just do one thing for me. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, just leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Ben, I got a question for you. 
Okay. We talked about this team. Uh, look, this basketball team's not met expectations. Let's just keep it real. Uh, we, we thought this team were going to be a, an NCAA tournament team at worst, and they just not played well. So let's fast forward to next year. What has to go right for this team to be in the NCAA tournament next year? Is it Jarkel Joyner has to be ready to go, and, and Matthew Morrell has to be ready to go? Those two guys have to start. Like, what does an NCAA 2021 Ole Miss team look like? Here's the interesting thing to me. So I had a source. Don't really have to think about it all that hard. Just think about it, people. Okay, don't make me say it out loud. But I had a source effectively say that Jarkel Joyner was the best player on the team right now. And it's drawn some eye rolls, and I get that. I'm with you. Because Brian Tyree is the best player on this roster. But Jarkel yeah. Joyner has left an impression. I'll just say that. I'm not saying that to tout Jarkel Joyner, to pump him up. I understand what the reputation of the Ole Miss spirit is. I know that everyone thinks that the Ole Miss spirit is a bunch of homers that push everything um, in a sunshine way, red and blue glasses. I am not one of those people. And I think every one of you can attest to that. I'm not trying to feed you bull. But that was told to me. I thought it was interesting. Because if nothing else, Jarkel Joyner has made an impression. So what does Ole Miss have to do to get to the NCAA tournament next year, assuming that they don't have that magical run in them this year? Which, let's be honest, they don't. It's fun to think about. It's fun to look at the math because I would much prefer Ole Miss be in the NCAA tournament than not. It's my favorite sure. event to cover. And for Ole Miss fans, it's the only event basketball-wise you truly care about. You're losing Brian Tyree, and that's a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Devontae's coming back or not, but let's assume that he does because he wants to play with Jarkel, which I've heard, and he wants to play another year with Dream, which I've heard. Jarkel Joyner has to average probably 15 to 18 points a game next year. Because you got to yeah. compensate for Brian not being on the floor. And Devontae Shuler has to get back to that sophomore production where he's shooting over 40% from three. He's got a good mid-range game, and he's attacking the rim. And he's not shooting 70% or under from the free throw line. Hadim C has to be more physical. I don't think he's going to be one and done. There was a moment there where I thought, eh, this might not work out. Almost likes Hadim. You heard Ronnie Hamilton talk about him. But he has to be more physical. He's got a finesse game. So what does Ole Miss got to do? they got to get Hadim C to not just get six to eight rebounds a game, but he gets his hands on what would be double-digit rebounds, secure those balls. Not average necessarily a double-double, but if you did, that certainly would get Ole Miss into the NCAA tournament, assuming that Jarkel Joyner is the offensive player that Ole Miss thinks he is. Blake Henson, impact the box score outside of shooting threes, and he has for the last two games. He's made a concerted effort to get to the rim, to rebound the ball, to play strong defense, or the best defense that Blake Henson can play. And then K.J. Buffett has learned to play with fouls. Did you know that K.J. Buffett, I think 11 times, more than that, maybe 13 times this year, he's been called for at least three fouls, if not more? That's insane. And if you look at his last handful of games, it's four fouls, five fouls, four fouls, four fouls, five fouls. He was dynamic against Florida. 14 points, four assists, no turnovers, a block, nine rebounds led the team. He also had four fouls. But it felt different, right? He stayed on the floor. He played 38 minutes. Contrast that to those games he got four fouls earlier in the year, a couple weeks back even, he was only playing 25, 24 minutes. So those four fouls were spread out. That's a good thing. K.J. Buffin learning to play with fouls. And then Austin Crowley has to take a step, has to look like the four-star prospect, the top 100 player that almost thought it was getting and signing. Sammy Hunter doesn't have to be good next year. He has to be valuable off the bench. Sean Robinson doesn't have to be a starter next year, but he has to impact the game off the bench. That's how you're an NCAA tournament team. I think Ole Miss will have the pieces, but I thought Ole Miss had the pieces this year. I didn't think the NCAA tournament was a slam dunk guarantee, but you didn't think that it'd be what it is right now. 12 wins in 23 games, three SEC wins and 10 tries in the first 10 tries. The schedule was tough. A lot of newcomers. Terrence Davis is an NBA player that was playing at three. We didn't give enough stock to any of that. Still, Mm -hmm. you thought they'd be at 15 wins by now. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but literally if you change the result of, I think, the Auburn game, I think we're having a different discussion. Maybe maybe they're still out. They're, they're certainly still outside the NCAA tournament. But if they don't blow a 19-point lead versus Auburn and have that, they, they, they would now have three quality one wins or tier one wins, however you want to phrase it. I think we're having a totally different discussion. So um, I, I think that under underwhelming so far is, is, is accurate, but I think you're exactly right. Uh, Jarkel's got to be able to go. Um, from a defensive perspective, I was going to ask you because that was kind of some of the knock coming on out of uh, coming off on him uh, when he was at Oxford. What does he bring from a defensive standpoint? Yeah, he's developing, but he's not. He's not going to be Devontae. He's not going to be Luis. 
but he's definitely got that competitive nature about him, like Doug Nicasio on Friday, to where he might not be better than the guy he lines up across from, but he's going to compete his ass off. Here's the thing. So Kermit Davis could have run for mayor last year and been elected in Oxford. (laughs) This year, they struggle a little bit, and immediately you see the worm turn a little bit from the Ole Miss fans. The criticism was ramped up a little bit, right? You saw it. You heard it. The bud was off the rose for Kermit Davis. It's been like that for like 10 years for Mike Bianco. Yes, it has. Okay. For Lane Kiffin, then, he can do no wrong. But you already saw it a little bit with the close or lack thereof in February. If he doesn't win six games, Ole Miss fans are so frustrated and so angry. There's no leash at all for anybody. And I get it. Yeah. You're just fed up. And there's nowhere else for Ole Miss fans to throw their frustrations and anger outside of at the coaches. They're sick of Ole Miss being Ole Miss. And Ole Miss has been very Ole Miss for like five years now. <laughs> what does Lane Kiffin have to do to not draw the ire of Ole Miss fans immediately? Six and six. But, Ben, let me present you a scenario, a uh, nightmare scenario. Let Lane Kiffin roll into that Egg Bowl five and six and lose it. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just saying. Let that happen. Who, buddy. Oh, man. You get Mississippi State at home this year, don't you? Yeah, it's in it's in Oxford. So That's you roll funny. into that one five and six, you better win it. Man, is Baylor going to be any good? Uh, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I think if you look at the two four seven talent perspective, though, Ole Miss will be more talented. I wouldn't be shocked if Ole Miss is a two to three point underdog going to that game, and I certainly wouldn't be shocked if Ole Miss won the game. It's way too early to do this, but now I'm interested. All right, you open against Baylor in Houston. You got back to back home games. Southeast Missouri, you're going to win. Auburn toss up then at LSU and Baton Rouge, then Alabama at home. We've been saying this for a year. No matter who the coach is, Matt Luke or whoever, they're going to start two and five. Eh, maybe not. What do we know about Auburn? I think Bo Nix is going to be a lot better this year. I don't trust Gus Malzahn from a play-calling perspective as far as I can throw it, although he does say Chad Morris is going to call plays. I don't know. I mean, they lost. They're going to lose their best two defensive players. We'll see. I think Ole Miss can win that football game. I think Auburn will certainly be favored. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna chalk up Auburn as just a loss. Now, well, Alabama we just love to do this thing where it's recency bias. We know what Ole Miss is. They sucked and they struggled, and Matt Luke was terrible. So then you immediately look at the schedule and go, God, because they haven't won these games in so long. And I understand that. But Hugh Freeze, remember in his first year, started to win some yeah. of these games, and then it turned the whole idea of what Ole Miss football can be. Not to say that Lane Kiffin's going to have that kind of impact, but I think most people think he could. At LSU, LSU lost everybody. Coaches, players, everybody. They yeah. hired Scott freaking Linehan, former Cowboys offensive coordinator. If you want anybody that is like the president of the Scott Linehan sucks fan club, it's me. I hate Scott Linehan as a play caller. I don't know him as a person, so I don't want to say I hate Scott Linehan. As a play caller, he sucks. And now he's replacing <laughs> Joe Brady? What? <laughs> That is horrible. Who's your quarterback? Miles Brennan. Oof, good luck. So, at Baton Rouge, is that so daunting? No. Is Ole Miss going to win? Probably not. But I can make a case for Ole Miss in those first seven games. Baylor and Houston, they don't have Matt Rule. Toss-up, maybe. Auburn at home? We don't know what Auburn's going to look like. Do you have so much more confidence in Bo Nix than John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral? No, I don't. What did yeah. Bo Nix show you last year that made you go, oh, man, That guy's the franchise. At LSU, they lost everybody, coaches and players. Alabama at home, you're losing. You're losing. But then at Vanderbilt. Mark that one up. At Vanderbilt. UConn at home, you're winning that game. At Texas A&M, that's tough. At Arkansas, that's sneaky tough. But Georgia Southern, you close to Mississippi State. I could see six wins. Oh, yeah, easy. I think, you know, look, I mean, let's just throw Baylor out. You're going to win your three non-conference. Arkansas, Vanderbilt State, there's your three more. I think Ole Miss will be favored in all three of those football games. There should be six wins. I, I don't I don't see outside of just a rash of injuries any rationale for this team to win less than six. So there you go. If he only wins five, he's going to get the Kermit Davis treatment in year two. Yeah. The Mike I mean, Bianco treatment over the last ten years. You heard from Colin Brister. He set the expectation. <laughs> you got to win six. So if he wins five. They're just sick of losing, and I don't blame them. <laughs> Do need something good. I mean, you look, man, and hell, you look over there at women's basketball. They're uh, owing whatever, and the softball uh, team loses five games this weekend, so it's not great really anywhere. No, no. Hey. It'd be different, <laughs> and I know no one compares Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but Mississippi State does. 
Ole Miss fans pretend like they don't. They do, but they pretend like they don't. Yeah. Mississippi State going to Omaha. Mississippi State going to the NCAA tournament too. Football going to another bowl. They keep doing those things, and Ole Miss doesn't. <laughs> and they're the reason why Ole Miss football is where it is right now. Yeah. 2020 has to be better. 2019 has to go down as one of the most annoying years at Ole Miss sports modern-day history. And they went to the NCAA tournament, went to a Super Regional. Annoying is a good word for it. Because you couldn't even have nice things. You go to the Super Regional and the way you lost. You almost win the SEC tournament, but the way you lost. Yeah, the NCAA tournament like the- should have been a celebration, the way you lost. So yeah. all those times where every other team in the country is celebrating those accomplishments, Ole Miss fans celebrate it, and then the actual game comes – and they get a turd. <laughs> That's like the antithesis of like, we are all right. Like you do something good and then it ends with a crap. <sighs> 2020 has to be better. This has been talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister. Subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Go to the old Miss spirit, old spirit.com and affiliate of two, four, seven sports. I don't know who the next guest is going to be on talk of champions. Got two potential guests that I'm talking to. Michael Spurlock, Seth Smith, either Ooh. or just trying to get one. Thursday, we'll be back. Thanks, Colin. Absolutely. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.